Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Turnbuckles. I'm John Reinman, and The Miz was in the audience at one of my stand-up shows once. I'm Tommy Rico, and I went looking for a potential cobra at large while I was on the toilet of the comedy club where I opened for Jake the Snake Roberts. I'm Julie Harrison Hardy, and I was so, so ready for Asuka. <laughs> Asuka, and you shall receive, Julie. Okay. All that, and joining us today, a very special guest, in my opinion, the top comedian in the game right now, Mr. Gary Gullman. But Ooh. first, it's time... For the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. I am so happy. I am, I, I cannot express how happy I am. I have missed Asuka. I wanted her back. The, the only thing that would make me happier is if Kyrie Sane came back mm. as well and the Kabuki Warriors were able to, to come back as a duo. But never say never. The only thing that I wish in this this segment that I wish would have happened is that we would have had a little more of Asuka. They just gave me a taste, a little tease, a little flick of the nose. That's all well, I got. That's all well, I got last night. Let's take people through it. So it all starts Great. with uh, uh, Becky Lynch. Uh, and uh, again, you know, you know, I'm a big fan of Becky Lynch. One of yes. the one of the best one of the best of all time. Uh, I'm going to say in the history of WWE. She's a boat. Uh, yeah, she's a locker room leader, uh, always, uh, just does just one of the best people on the mic. She's just awesome. She's someone that like, you know, I have a daughter who's starting to understand what wrestling sort of is. And she's someone that I'm like that. I like that. She likes Becky Lynch. Mm. I think that's cause that's, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, if anyone missed it, there was a great segment where Becky Lynch is coming to the ring and there's this guy in the crowd. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay, so there's this oh, guy this in the crowd great. and he's he's doing the thumbs down thing like like you would if you're a, like, you know, seven. But he's a he's an adult man and he's giving the thumbs up to Becky Lynch. And then uh, as Becky walks right up to him and gets face to face and then he turns it mid mid thumbs down to a wave, just waving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it was so great. I was like, so great to see a GIF in real time that I was like, yep. I just witnessed a thing that's going to be for the rest of my life to like when people talk tough. And then it's like, what's that? It's like, because I think we've all been through that or been on the other end or whatever. It's like, talk tough or someone talks tough about you. And it's like, huh? It's like, oh, hey. And I'm like, that is it. That clip. Yeah. And, and she did it all. And she meant business too. Like she was ready. For that dude. And uh, oh, oh my she, gosh. She hit him with the mom look. Uh, Julie, this is something that you, this is your sweet spot here because you always talk about the audience being 
a character on the show. Yes, you treated and ladies and gentlemen, that is the pinnacle of being an audience member. That is the yep. best of the best as far as audience behavior. You yep. want to be a part of the show? True. That's how you're a part of yeah. the show. He was great too. I mean, it takes two to tango and shout out. Good for that dude. It was, I do think he just kind of got caught red handed, but he, but he turned, he pivoted in a graceful, silly way. And it was great. It was like, it was like, that's what it's all about. And it's just, especially now where we've seen so much ugliness in other sports right now between fans and athletes where it's just gotten, it's been awful. It's really been awful ever since fans started going back to things. Uh, particularly baseball is always bad because you know it's a night after an, an hour and a half. Uh, everyone just wants to run on the field and punch somebody. But like, uh, especially at like a basketball, tennis, like all these things, people are just morons, just being jerks. And then, or the other way around, athletes egging them on. Kyrie, uh, the bad Kyrie. But um, it was great to see. It was like that's how it should be. That's how it was like before we all started losing our minds because it feels like after the pandemic. No one knows how to behave as a human on a train or on a, on an airplane or just at a sporting event. And it was like, here's this dude who got caught on TV and Becky played it. Perfect. Oh yeah. The Oscars. I got to throw that in there. Some of the Oscars became a full contact sport. And so we see someone in the crowd and he had a funny reaction and Becky was great and no selling that. She was great all the way through. And it's like, yes. I just urge everybody to Google Go to YouTube, look up Becky Lynch, Twitter, wherever. Becky Lynch, fan thumbs down. That's it. Like, we should go show to, that all Go to Tommy's kids. Twitter. He, yeah. he tweeted about it. Yes. So check I, out I share what's your, Tommy, what's your Tommy Rico like, Comedy, right? At what, Tommy Rico uh, Comedy? T-O-M-M-Y-R-I-C-O-M-E-D-Y. Tommy Rico Comedy. Um, so one thing that happened, though, was that audience interaction totally helped the segment. Yep. Because yes. it, start, it started the segment hot. And this is, so Becky Lynch, who's brilliant. She's reinventing herself again. And this is now Breakdown Bex. This is exactly what I wanted to see post-WrestleMania. This is a jilted, psychotic Becky Lynch yeah. on the title chase. Yeah. And this is so interesting. And the way she played it was very interesting. And Asuka coming out, the nose flick followed by a lightning quick backhand. That's all I needed from the segment. I was so happy to have her back, but... It was played very well, and I think a running theme to tonight's show, or last night's show that we're going to talk about today, is... Two nights ago, this, pal. Two nights keep, ago. Keep it real. It's, it's a through line mm. to good editing, good production, everything on the show was timed great. The entire mm -hmm. Raw, all three hours, there's, there was very little fluff, and we'll, get, we'll, we'll come full circle on that later. No, there, and also, Julie, I mean... We both know we've just seen the effort that people like, you know, Bruce Pritchard and Ed Kosky. I mean, Ed Kosky, I, again, people ask me, are you asking for your job back? And I'm like, uh, no, um, but never say never. But um, but no. Um, but for real, Ed Kosky is the best room runner I've ever seen in my life in any TV show. And um, it really is superhuman to see the way Ed can just when push comes to shove, go fuck it and just put a show together and put it up on the board. Um, and then Bruce to kind of know what Vince is going to go for and be hundred <laughs> as close as you can get to getting Vince right. Um, three hours is just Herculean to try to fill that time and to just hold people's attention. And I thought last night against one hell of an NBA playoff game, at least Boston, Brooklyn, Monday night raw 
had it going on. I mean, it, it was, was a good. good good finish to the basketball game, but the rest of it was pretty, yeah. And uh, Raw also, was really good. So hats off yeah. to everyone there at WWE Creative and all the superstars for uh, just putting up, just bear up against it. And they delivered. It was I great. Agree. Fantastic. And I will say there was something that I also saw on Twitter where someone referenced that the last time Asuka and Becky were together on the same stage in the ring together was when Becky revealed that she was pregnant. Yeah. And she, uh, uh, that was real. The money was real. real. And I was there when it happened. And there was a lot of back and forth about how it was going to go down. Actually, that was one of the things at the show. I remember the head writer there. We were all discussing how is this going to work? What's going to happen? What's, what's the show this week? And that we, I, Becky's one of the first people that you bring up. What's her storyline? How are we furthering it? And I remember the head writer said, trust me, guys, we've got it. We can't talk about it, but we've got it. And I was like, oh, this is weird. This, it was my first time really experiencing we need to play this close to the chest that they're not even telling the people in the writer's room unless you're on a need to know basis for this. Um, and he was just like, we've got it. Don't ask any more. Even questions. Becky's baby didn't know about it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they was like, what are we doing in the rain? Oh my God. It's come out TV. What? No, what? Ah, why didn't I well, get the kayfabe draft? Damn it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, Becky, it Becky was, Becky did call back to the moment, by the way, in the promo, she, she called back, she called back to, I, I handed you my title. Mm, yes. And so, yes. yeah, so it's long, long-term booking. Oh yeah. Yes. That was, that was long-term a cool moment. Cause even to be, we were at the performance center, we were backstage and I think I found out like minutes before Becky was about to go on stage and reveal this, what was happening. Um, because I was helping out the and writer again, who was Oscar on it. Didn't, Oscar didn't know. Right. Or I did can't remember. Know? Actually, I can't remember. It's possible it could if have been a surprise. If she knew, she did a hell of a job. She, she looked like yeah. she, she looked like she did not know. It's yeah, possible. Yeah, her eyes did a weird thing where I was like, I don't like. She kind of did that break look at the camera sort of thing. Where I was like, are we rolling? And I was like, I don't think she knew. You know what? I no. can't confirm. It was so that WWE did a really good job, and you know yeah. what? I like that because it is no one's business to announce that they're pregnant, except for the person who's pregnant. That is your, you get to, if, if Becky <laughs> Tom, was kind Tom knows enough. you're bringing up, well, Tom knows, <laughs> and Julie, you might know too, you're bringing up a source. <laughs> some, <laughs> so, someone else at a, in a different life that you and I also encountered, yeah, needs to learn that rule. Leave it up to the parents to tell it's, everybody else. It, it is, <laughs> My it God is damn. the business of yeah. the woman to be able to reveal in Or at her least way. the father, or at least the father, <laughs> not a third party. Correct. Correct. That's one of the harder things about WWE is when life and the show intersect. And I was really fortunate to be able to watch that happen backstage. And I did cry. It was a beautiful moment. It really was a beautiful moment. And um, it even I I don't know if Asuka know. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. I I really can't remember. I can't. But all I remember is that Asuka afterwards, her hugging. Becky and just this really beautiful moment of friendship. It was really lovely. It was really lovely. Um, we go from there at uh, our, our little rundown here to another of your favorites, Mr. Ron <sighs> Killings, the great R-Truth. And I just want to say, I was making fun of R-Truth a few weeks ago. I just think he has a great name yes. to be a tough rep. Ron Killings. So good. I mean, I only think, I think I met R-Truth one time ever 
because because you never know where he is. He, you know, he's mm. always chasing that twenty four seven title, and he might pop up out of nowhere. But um, but it's just like that's I've never heard of a cooler name than Ron Killings. Just amazing. You couldn't script it's a great it, name. but he's our truth. So that's all I'm saying. I'm just pointing out that like. Yes. You know, it's it's a unique circumstance, but a man, a man of very of, of many great names. He really. had uh, just I thought you would love this. I saw <laughs> the uh, he's 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 now a therapist backstage. Oh, so he's a couples good. therapist. <laughs> would you go to our truth? Absolutely, I would. Yeah, I would he too. could save a lot of marriages. I think. Yeah, it makes me wonder. <laughs> I, I saw think a little bit could. of that, and I was I was like, man, should I call? Should, should I just float it out there to my ex through the parenting app that? Okay, hear me out. There's this gentleman named Our Truth. Yes, his name's Ron Killings, um, but he's doing this work now, and I think we could get an appointment. Um, but um, but why? Why would he make a great therapist? I think that goes hand in hand with the theme of today's episode with our guest is is mental health. But uh, Tom, you know, when you would you go to would you go to Our Truth as for therapy? Would you go there like, and what would you be seeking from Our Truth? I mean, I, I'd only go to R-Truth, man. He's R-Truth, he, yeah. if you're looking for levity, mm-hmm. he's going to provide it. And you know, the one thing that I loved about the segment is, uh, so he's playing a therapist, but he, you can tell he's taking his role incredibly seriously because he's wearing a finely tailored plaid blazer <laughs> as opposed to yeah. the bachelor party. He's where When he heart. went to the bachelor party... He was wearing a jacket that looked like he stole it from Almas's locker. Like he was wearing this massive. <laughs> yeah, like, I wondered way about too, that. Yeah, like, it looks like he was wearing, wearing his dad's clothes. Matrix coat to um, a party. Yeah. One one thing I want to shout out from the segment too, because you know, we could talk quick, about our truth forever. No, no shirt underneath of the. Did you notice that you have the big blazer and not. he he had no shirt and a tie though. No one and just, no one ever picks up on. Well, that's two things. No one ever picks up. They're they're always like, oh, he's wearing a shirt and a, a, a jacket and tie. My championship is safe. And uh, it's like, they don't know he's not wearing a shirt. But also that even that at WWE, it's like, even if you're wearing a, like, no, sh- no shirt at all, Vince is going to, got a tie, pal? You know he's going to, you have to wear a tie. So, man, just, even when your name's Ron Killings, no killing that <laughs> I, tie. He should wear a necktie, but only to tie up his braids in the back. I think that would work well for him. Oh, that's, the, that's you know, if laughter is the best medicine, then our truth is going to be a hugely successful therapist. He's he always he's makes great. me laugh. I, I do want to shout out in these segments. The only other person who's working almost as hard as our truth is Tamina. Tamina's facial expressions. Oh my gosh. And her, so good. Her selling of these moments. It works. I mean, she's, you can see her doing a lot of, a lot of heavy lifting, just doing the facial expressions and reactions. And she's the other person in these segments. That's making it work for me. Um, I yeah. know, I know. Um, we we talk a lot about having Gary on the show later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we talk a lot about wrestling and comedy and how the two worlds intersect really, really nicely. And I think, you know, a lot of people sometimes give a lot of crap towards the 24-7 title. I love them. And I think it's just because my background is in comedy. And I always really, really appreciate any time WWE is, is going down that, that route. I, I think... I think R-Truth is so massively talented. I would love to see him in a comedy set setting. I think he could be an amazing late night host. I think he would crush it. He has such versatility. He's phenomenal. Well, John, I just, I, your I late night background. I, I got to watch what I say. <laughs> only, I can only go so far other than to agree with you. Sure. Um, but I will well, say I, su- I suggested we- pre-show uh, R-Truth should host the entire second hour of Raw. 
Yeah. I think that that would keep people involved. That's a WrestleMania host, too. Like, they're always looking Mm. for a WrestleMania host. They're in L.A. next year. There you go. Our truth. Uh, The one I will say that the one thing Ed Kosky, the one pitch I gave him that Ed considered and Ed had really good ideas. And I won't go into the details because maybe they'll do it someday. But it involved because there's always a referee ending up in the mall and at a footlocker. And the beat that I that's did that, that hooked Ed, because Ed's a hard guy. He goes, oh, and when I got Ed Koski, go, oh, no, that's funny. That was like a high layer, like, oh, Ed thinks something's funny. And then my pitch was that uh, Truth gets somebody, and then every employee from the Foot Locker comes in and does a one, two, three, because they're all wearing the, the uniforms and everything. And then there's a brand split or something or a draft, and it got, uh, they, we didn't have the, it, nothing made sense with the two people. But That's a good gonna, sponsorship deal, too. But I'll just throw it get out in there, on man. That. Yeah, right? I'll throw that out there. Anyone listening to Stanford, and I don't even want any. I just want to see it on TV. I just like, that's a hilarious scene. That is pretty um, good. You know what else? But then we have uh, Veer. Well, Veer came. Veer, Veer has, has come. Uh, he is here now. I, I don't mean to be dirty. I'm just, just speaking factually. But here's the thing. is Veer keeps going over local talents, as we called them. See, the uninitiated, Julie, the disrespectful, they would say jobber. That's very yes. disrespectful. Oh, it very is. Disrespe- okay. or, we're all or jobbers. Jabber, or we're, jabroni. Nah, don't, is, we're all jobbers. Everyone's doing a job. You're lucky if you're a jobber. It means you have mm. a job. That's my, that's my thing. So don't say that. If you, oh, that guy's a jobber. Good. Congratulations. I can't wait to see their LinkedIn. Um, they're not a sponsor. I should say that. Um, but I, I will say that the local talent, is it working for you to see Veer come out every week against uh, like someone that you know, could be me and, and win in like three minutes. Does it- I think, you know, the ending, that's where I always struggle with. It's false jeopardy. I, I know yeah. the ending. Um, and so to me, it's sort of like, okay, well, what's an interesting way you're getting to that ending. And that's the hard part. Why are they rest also like, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to prove what I got. You know who I think's a good target veer. This guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy is destroying the Mysterios and everything, the Miz. Tom, what do you, what, what's your take on the, the whole local talent versus uh, monster thing? We had this I, with Ryback back in the day. We had this with Sid, Psycho Sid back in the day when we were kids. Also, what do you, what can do you I, yeah. before you answer, Tom, I, I want you to answer. I'm going to, I'm going to ask a question off your question, John. So if Tom, you sure. could ans- answer both questions, that'd be great. What is a good version of a local talent match? Because again, I know what the ending is going to be. And so I'd love to know in your mind, is there a good, I, I don't know if this is an appropriate term either. So please forgive me. I referred to a squash match. No, um, supposed to, you're not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to say that. Okay. No. Okay. Apologies. My apologies. Oh my God. I'm going to get, so, I'm gonna, someone's going to come down. The Russians lo- are going to. Local um, enhancement talent matches. Okay. I think it's an old way of, of creating a new character. And I don't know that it works anymore. The only way that you can make it really effective mm. is if it's a murder. I mean, it has to be a complete destruction where somebody gets thrown into the first row. Like, it has to be spectacular. Mm. And I don't know that it even can be anymore. I think, so th- there's a couple things I noticed about Veer, and one of them was right at the beginning of Raw. So Veer was one of the characters that was outside of the ring ready to celebrate Randy Orton's 20 years in the business. Oh, sure. Did you notice he broke character? Because I noticed he broke character. Because really? Orton came to the ring, and there was like the fist bump, and you could see he was Veer the person as opposed mm-hmm. to Veer the character. And 
One is that thing a I've bad noticed, thing? That's a bad no, thing. No, I think it's great. And I think, oh. I think it actually, if anybody at WWE is li- listening, and uh, God willing, you are, because I want John's old job. Uh, no. Tom would this no is joke. Tom, Tom, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Tom, no joke would be fantastic yes. for anyone who's listening. Yeah, for, for, so. for three to six months. Um, at any well, rate, I, I love Veer. I want to see him succeed. Look up Veer on Instagram. Veer Mahan is a stylish, classy guy. He's got great style. He dresses wonderfully. And he's a guy that this is how you sell him. I love what he does in the ring. I even love the presentation. I described him as he's like a Street Fighter 2 character come to life. Show him as real Veer 2. And if you have that Ah. dichotomy where he's the madman in the ring and he's the stylish, he's he's the slick, stylish guy outside of the ring. That guy went to Dan Flashes. So for real, I mean, they need to use real Veer because I think the character is fine. I think the character is fine, but it can't be all that he is. I think if you guys noticed previously, I think last week he cut a mini promo and it was not good because it wasn't sincere. It was the character. I think you show both sides of Veer that he, when he hits the ring, he's the Street Fighter 2 character, but outside of the ring, he's a slick, stylish, sophisticated guy. I think that yeah. that's where they should go with him, and I loved seeing him break character for Randy Orton. I thought that was great. My one pitch for local talent matches is this. Go the other way. I want you to introduce a superstar that loses to all the local talents. Just bring someone oh, that's in. That's pretty funny. Who and have them all? Yeah. Well, this it is funny that, but and, and we know like I can feel the looks at me from Connecticut right now. <laughs> and I'm two states away because I know how I've pitched. I'm sorry to everyone that listening that had to work. I pitched real things like that, and sometimes they got a little too far down the road, and then it was our problem to take care of, and it was on TV. Because um, as I tell people, if you pitch it, it might happen. Um, same thing with writers. Robotic if spider. You, if you submit it, it might happen. Uh, in any kind of TV job. Um, but yeah, I would, <laughs> I'd kind of like to see, they've never done that. I get it, but I'd almost like to see like someone get winged King of the Ring or something. And they just not be able to win a match. Mm. Like someone that's like, go, it's like, you know, it's the new King of the Ring, whoever. And they just have a losing streak and to see how they break out of that. And I get, I get why it, it wouldn't happen. I'm mean, that's not a legitimate suggestion. I understand that you're costing them money. You're burying the character, all that. But if there was another story at the end of that somehow that could pull them back up, which again, you'd have to have a lot of trust. It's not good business, but just as but a, couldn't as there an, be a fun storyline of why they keep getting these opportunities. Like, isn't there, isn't there uh, uh, to preview Gary coming on? Uh, they were born on third base, but they, think that's they true. Need a triple. Like there's a yeah. reason why they keep getting booked and you know, the officials keep putting them with local talent. That's not they a bad kind idea. Of, they kind of actually, um, though he was on the losing end of these matches, they kind of did a similar thing with Heath Slater, mm. where he was getting all these matches because I got kids. I got and kids. So he, yeah, and so but he would lose all the matches. So they kind of did that, but in reverse. That was, uh, that was another one of my pitches, that, that Heath Slater won the 24-7 title, and then um, his wife had, this was back in the olden days, had a regular flu, and then so he had the championship, but he also had to take care of the kids. So that was, we, we would see him with his four or five kids, like going to the baseball games and then the umpire would pull off the thing and he'd be a ref. And then the batter would be Drake Maverick. And there was like all these and uh, never happened. It's, it's not just a little lesson to everybody there. Yeah. You don't want your first pitch to be a Heath Slater pitch when you're at Paul Heyman's, when you're in his office at his desk 
You don't want that to be your first pitch. Sorry Some about advice. that, Paul. Some advice. Yeah. Um. All right. So moving this thing along, uh, Edge in the big chair. I mean, stuff went on in the show. I just got to talk about Edge in the big chair. Yeah. Like, he's just like, I don't know what this is. Like, is he a lifeguard? Is he like the soccer mom that brings the way too big unfoldable chair to the game and just blocks everyone's view? It, also, is it the same chair the Undertaker had for all those years? Because it's, I'm pretty, it looks like it's the same chair. And I almost want to have a double storyline where I want to have uh, Ezekiel, who's, the, who's denying that he's Elias. I want him to become obsessed with that chair. Say, wait a minute. I know that chair. That's the Undertaker's chair. And then Edge break be like, no, it's not. It's a different chair. And then that Kevin would be Owens your oh, no, wait, that, yeah, that should be Kevin Owens. Yes. Kevin Owens' thing. Yeah. And then Kevin, <laughs> Kevin goes, I know that chair. Minute. That's not that chair. That's the Undertaker's you're, you're, chair. I know it. Li- I see it. These people see it. <laughs> you're he's like Charlie Day. And that's the same chair. The- yeah. He's like, everyone's doing the same thing here. I understand. I've I seen that liars. chair before. I've seen this guy before. What is this? Am I here? Is there going to be another me? Is this a Jordan Peele movie? What the hell's going on? Like, I told you, I hate liars. What is it, though? Like, what do we think's going Well, I mean, what's going on? Like, what is this? Because I expected another member to be introduced last night. And I, yeah, I Rhea Ripley, it. right? I okay, was, well, you'll spoil didn't, it. Uh, I'm sorry, but, I didn't yeah, mean to spoil but, it. But that's what I was expecting. That's what I was expecting, too, yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. I was like, and the way that they had framed the camera, too, it seemed like there was a big, empty space. And I was like, yeah. okay, so Rhea's going to come in. They're going to reveal it. But I guess not. I don't know. I wasn't sure. I, they got, they I, I think I'm going to be the lone voice. It. I'm going to I'm going to be a, a mark for the throne. I liked the rolling throne. The problem was it went on forever. It's mm. got they got it just went on way too long. It's better packaging, but the product still needs work. Um, there was a couple things I noticed they called. So now this faction, the edge and priest faction is uh, called Judgment Day. And I don't know how they I don't know how they came to that when Edge Lords was right there. I don't know how they missed that. But the same the, way guys, that uh, Are You Ready became the SmackDown song. Someone showed it to Vince and he went, mm. and that was it. <laughs> judgment Day. I know those words. Judgment I've had, I've had Day. I've had them as a paper That's for like years. Apocalypse. I'll be did, the judge. Did you, did you guys notice at the beginning of the match, by the way, when they introduced poor Finn Balor, who, who may be on the losing streak that we were talking about a minute ago. That's true. He might um, be. Yeah. His opening graphic stated that he has a demon persona, and I can't tell if that was foreshadowing or literally because the audience forgot because it was so long ago. Or just USA coming in and saying, and just because, like, Julie, I mean, you know, like, you know, there always had to be a liaison with the network, and they're they're looking at it from their storytelling point of view. And they might have, they literally might have sent the notes over, and also Kevin Dunn, and they might have just at the last minute been like, sure, put this in. But I could, I could also see Vince backstage, or I could see Bruce from being like, what the fuck? Like, you know, like, he can also turn turn mean sometimes in the graphic. <laughs> it's just interesting. It's like, Do those you know, ever, switch hitter, switch personality. Yeah. Those, every time those come up, and again, I'm, I didn't grow up with wrestling necessarily. It reminds me of MTV's The Next Bus. Whenever I see those facts yeah. listed below. And so in my mind, I'm always like, I always want the joke to heighten. And it never does because it's not a joke. That's not it's just little literal stats. It's a sport. The first time I can remember them doing a graphic when the, the character came out with uh, facts it was Matt facts. It was Matt Hardy version uh, 1.0. So when he split from Jeff and he became the heel, uh, oh, Matt yeah. Hardy, he would come out and they would have Matt facts. And it was always like Matt 
eat sushi with ketchup or whatever. Oh, it was yeah, always yeah, like yeah, some, yeah, yeah. This, this was like in the WWF.com era where it was like we were trying to make everything. Yeah, I remember that. Um, That's the first time think, I can remember them doing that. Um, it still this, looks the same. I'll just say this about the Edge faction. And um, Thomas said this to you last night. It's about time WWE had a, a faction, a dark, ominous faction where a guy sits in a chair and watches the match. It's never been done. Bathed in purple. Yeah, I know. It's unusual. No, we love it. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what they're going to do, because I bet it's going to be something we, we don't expect. Um, but then the big thing, as we alluded to earlier, uh, Randy Orton, 20 years. Congratulations, Randy. Um, and like, he's still Randy Orton. It's Good amazing. Him. Like, God he just damn. keeps being, he's the Paul Rudd of wrestling. There it is. I coined it. He's the Paul Rudd of wrestling, Randy. Because he looks exactly the him. same over the course of 20 years. <clears throat> Wait a minute. Phoebe's husband? Uh, he's the Paul Rudd of wrestling. Erica, trademark the Paul Rudd of wrestling. Uh, I'd pitch that shit, but he is. He's still well, good, and he's always great, and he just doesn't slow down at all. He's fantastic. We've talked about this before, but Randy Orton started literally, of all the eras of wrestling that I've watched over the course of 47 years, that's my favorite. So mm. Orton showed up. And he was a product of the post-attitude, get the F out, uh, less Howard Stern, Jerry Springer nonsense, and more wrestling, the SmackDown 6. He showed up when wrestling was, I think, at its finest, the, the years mm -hmm. of Eddie Guerrero and, and uh, Edge becoming a, a top player. And the, the, those years were so fun to me. And I look back fondly. And he was, he was right at the beginning of that and then showed up in Evolution, which was a great stable. Yeah, uh, just excellent. Um, and uh, the RKO does come out of nowhere. But one time backstage, I, we were privy to how that happens. I'm not going to give it away. But it's pretty interesting how they get Randy in there to do the out of nowhere. It's really like clever. And, uh, and he kind of has this look in his eye, like kind of winks at you like, yeah, that's how I do it. And so it's, uh, it's, it's really neat. Uh, Julie, what'd you think of the, the, that they do a nice job? Oh yeah. I thought yeah. it was good. I, I always like when they have a celebration. I also have to give it up to the digital team. I thought they did a really excellent job of teasing oh, so this celebration throughout the week. Mm -hmm. I love Tommy, you're so right. There was a theme. There was each segment felt like the right amount of time for the segment. The pacing was on par. Um, and just knowing that leading up to it, this is what we were going to open the show with. I really think the digital team did a great job saying, let's celebrate the 20 years. Let's look back. Let's lean into the nostalgia. Let's talk about it. I felt as an audience member, because of what they did on digital, prepared to join in in the celebration. It wasn't anything new yeah. that I was hearing. It was all like, oh, now I get to talk about it with all of my friends on television about what they had been talking about for the first full week. I do want to ask you guys I, a question wrestling sure. wise. Um, uh, in, in again, it was a little bit like foreshadowing. I could see what was coming because every person who was interrupting and coming down, you sort of knew they were going to be a part of something but I was kind of wondering in my brain why they didn't come up with a reason why the main event would be the way it ended up. Why an, why an official needed to come out and say, here's what we're doing. It's like, why, why not instead be like, Randy, what's 
what do you want to do today? Or, you know, I don't know. I just, <laughs> it's his party. That, yeah. <laughs> but also I was just, I was just curious not to say that it was good or bad. Just from my perspective, I was sort of like, Oh, why didn't it come about organically as opposed to someone needing to come out and say, this is what we're doing. Or is that part of the show? Is that a history of wrestling that I'm, I'm not privy to or aware of? I well, think it I mean, was just a plot device. I think, it, okay. and, and of for the whole segment, it was the only real like kind of eh moment where it's like, yeah. okay, they have to set up a match, so there it is. But they wanted to do. I mean, there was really no reason for the Survivor Series teams back in the day to get together. Correct. Yeah. But what they did was all of the team members had an issue with all of the opposite team members, and even though there wasn't a collective issue, they made the individual issues something during the match, which they did. We have a new segment here, ladies and gentlemen. It's called That Does Work For Me, Brother. In the immortal backstage words of a man who told you, say your prayers and take your vitamins before he went Hollywood, that doesn't work for me, brother. Well, what you gonna do when we flip the script in a segment called That Does Work For Me, Brother? And what worked for me this week? Randy Orton's testament to unselfishness the reason that that segment worked because any other star probably would have hogged a lot more spotlight than orton did randy orton allowed himself to be earnest endearing nostalgic is very effective while also sharing the stage with riddle cody rhodes seth rollins ezekiel kevin owens and the usos and a whole slew of the mid card outside the ring he furthered everyone else's storylines almost on his own, and he was thoroughly entertaining throughout. A segment like this could have been totally self-indulgent and bloated. Instead, it was perfectly produced and proof that WWE still knows what they're doing, and that works for me, brother. I will have to say that, John, from the writer's perspective, this segment, that's a lot of coordinating on the yes. back end. There were a lot yeah. of people involved in that segment, which means a lot of opinions and a lot of perspectives and a lot of feedback. And it, those celebrations are tough to pull off. And they did a fantastic they job. They did a great job. And they I thought and even the technical was... crew, they got every, they all, everybody's cues went off without a hitch. Everybody's mm -hmm. music went on. The right graphics went There's so much involved that could mess up on live TV. And they got it all right and timed beautifully. It would be funny, though, if like today... Papa Shago did his run-in for the segment. <laughs> Just for the old heads like me. Ah, he still can't get. God can, bless. Can I Charles ask you guys, Wright, okay, there, what, do you yep. what do you think is going on with Ezekiel? What do you think they're trying to do? No idea, and I that's see, why it's fun. I know, when I see him, I, I feel like he's a Seinfeld character come to life. Like, he's like, if a wrestler lived in Jerry's building, it would be Ezekiel. Yep. And he, every scene that he's in, he's doing something odd and weird and like, but... It, no one can really see where he's coming with any of this stuff. And I'm, I'm absolutely riveted to see where they go with him. Well, it's just so interesting. His Sorry, Julie. body is insane. Like, well, I had, guess I didn't he notice it. ultimate warrior tassels this week as well. Yeah, he did. He did. I don't, there's something about his body where I'm just like, it seems superhuman. Like he should be in a Marvel movie a little bit where I'm just like, he, what is and I guess I didn't did. notice it because of the scarves and the guitar yeah, previously. He used, to, he used to be buried under a lot of clothing as Elias. Yeah. Or his older brother used to his be older, buried under me, a yeah. lot of clothing. And body hair, apparently. 
But uh, I mean, such commitment to this character. I love it. I, I don't know where it's going, but I love it. I think it's funny. I think Kevin Owens is also a funny foil. I don't know. I'm here for it. It's, it's funny. Okay, well, I think maybe we have our first guest in Ezekiel. <laughs> Do you hear what these kids said about your body? Anyway, if you want to watch, it's Monday Night Raw, Monday nights at 8, as the title would imply, on the USA Network. Or, and then there's also Friday Night Smackdown. You won't believe this. Friday. That's Friday nights at 8 on Fox. And this has been the Raw Recap. Raw Recap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I thought I knew my dad better than anyone, but one day we were in the car chatting and I heard a story I'd never heard before. And that got me wondering, how many other stories don't I know? So that's why I got my mom and my dad StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps you and your loved ones connect through sharing stories and memories and preserves them for years to come. Every week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question of your choice from a vast pool of possible options. Each unique prompt asks questions you've never thought of, like, what's some of the best advice your mom gave you? Or if you were to do it all over, what would you do differently? Like, for instance, I, I had no idea that my dad was friends with a guy who became an astronaut. They never knew that. Then, then when he was done flying and I got to talking to him one day, I never realized how many times he flew Andre the Giant until we got to talking about that. You got to ask these questions. They don't always just tell you everything. I really enjoyed reading my parents' answers to these questions. I've discovered stories and memories I never heard about and learned new things about stories I thought I really knew. Like, I always thought my mom and dad were set up by a friend. Nope. They actually just ran into each other at, at a restaurant one time. And uh, they happened to be the only two at the bar and uh, still married all these years later. That's how they got together. That's why I'm here. So it's, I'm glad I know that story. It's even more special. After one year... StoryWorth compiles all those questions and stories, including photos, into a beautiful keepsake book the whole family can share for generations. And I think this is great because we all have social networks, we all have uh, social media, we all have all those things, but uh, times are changing. Some people are deleting some of those things. So this is why it is good to get StoryWorth because you know it is fun. You know it will bring heart to your life. You know you can share your memories with those you love. Mother's Day is coming up, guys, and give all the moms in your life a meaningful gift you'll both cherish for years. Story worth. Right now, for a limited time, you'll save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash turnbuckles. That's S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash turnbuckles to save $10 on your first purchase. Again, that's storyworth.com slash turnbuckles. Learn something new about yourself and your loved ones. Well, this is very, very exciting, everybody. Anyone that has ever watched wrestling understands that your skills on the mic are incredibly important. Cutting promos are, are very, Julie, can you agree? Just absolutely. It's a huge part good. of the show. And we're so lucky to be joined by our guests because I can't think of anyone in the world 
who is as good <laughs> on the mic as the one and only Gary Gullman. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Gullman, for being here today, everybody. How cool is this? I'm so Gary, excited. how you doing? Welcome. Gary's wearing an old school Montreal Expos hat. So even there, he's even got a subtle nod to some WWF history there with Montreal yes, involved. Definitely. The uh, Montreal screw job, of course, was was uh, relevant, but also this is kind of a throwback to a, a time in wrestling that no longer exists with the with the regional aspect of of pro wrestling, which was really my my wheelhouse in, in terms of knowledge and dedication and devotion. And yeah, so that, that so I think the Montreal, I, I love a good throwback. What brought you into wrestling? What's your earliest memory of getting into wrestling? I I can remember just being Saturday was uh, the best TV in the house was in my mom's room, the best reception. So Saturday I was in her room and there was this guy who had elastics coming in out of his in and out of his cheeks and, and he had this horrible beard and he was being so mean. And I just wanted to see whatever he was associated be, be beaten. <laughs> and he was at the time representing a, a team called Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saido. And, and I had to see Mr. Fuji and Saido lose. And <laughs> it turned out it was, it was a rematch between Tony Gurria and Rick Martel versus Fuji and Saido. And, and the, the good guys lost and, and it, it really troubled me, but I also just the, I mean, they really, it was really suited for kids. I, I would find out later when I went to the, to the Boston garden, my mom took me with some of her, uh, a coworker who had young nephews, my age at Sears, my mom worked at the cafeteria at Sears. So she knew everybody worked at Sears and they took me to the Boston garden. And I mean, they really put on a, a great show, but also the audience was so entertaining because I think the older people got it. They understood that it was a, it was a job, but me, I took every single moment of it. And I remember getting so anxious for Bob Backlund when he got into the ring against Adrian Adonis. I, I was, I was just so nervous for him. I, his life was on the line <laughs> and it, yeah. it was just, it was one of the greatest nights I ever had. That's what I, I, I feel bad if people only saw those, those Saturday morning wrestlings because they never showed you good matches only if the title changed hands or they were really trying to push a, a narrative, but I got to see it at the Boston garden and it was exciting. And then at the very end, they would announce the next card mm. and the place would go crazy. If there was a rematch. And I, re I remember them announcing that Greg Valentine was going to fight Pedro Morales in a brass knuck street fight. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it, Somebody could could get killed at this this bracket. No holds barred. They, they right. were, I mean, they're going to do a street holds, fight inside. How's that? What? Yeah. That, that's nonsense. And, and a lot of the holds. A lot of the holds were barred, apparently. <laughs> and, yeah. And they were gonna they were gonna let all the holds that were available be used. They would not be barred. Well, Gary, it's it's interesting. We grew up with wrestling in the eighties in the Boston Garden because. Pre-80s, from the 50s all the way up until about when, when we started watching, the Boston Garden was a notoriously stabby venue. Uh, it, was, <laughs> yes. it was that, that everybody has a I got stabbed story in wrestling, and most of them come from the Boston Garden. So it, it, yeah, it seemed to so end right around 81, 82. 
Yeah, and apparently the cops thought it was part of the act. Weren't you supposed to get stabbed? I thought that was yeah. part of it. <laughs> how how daffy the cops were. I mean, it was, yeah, he's, he's that guy over the there is bleeding from the forehead. Up. Somebody check on him. Showed up and it became so totally confusing. And I was <laughs> like, now there's a cop in the in the ring and and with a with a the big white gentleman who looks like he's from Africa for some reason. Uh, of course, Akeem, the, the African dream. Uh, I don't know if they want us to call back to that, but it was an intriguing character. Um, yeah. But, it's interesting but, because when I think about it just now, it just occurred to me that the big boss man had a similar backstory to Sergeant Slaughter, which was he was so tough <laughs> that this tough group of tough people kicked him out. Like Sergeant Slaughter was such a mean drill sergeant right. that he was kicked out of the, the Marines for being so, so mean. <laughs> and it it's just it's it's really something that I I believed it and yet would hear stories that it was fake that just that that kayfabe was was so strong during that era at a time when it was was more obvious than than ever that this was that this was a carnival. They they had to, to use this this idea that the person had no backstory before they got to the WWF. And before that, they, they just didn't exist. There were name changes. And, and now I, I went to high school with, with Matt Bloom, who- No. Yeah, I played high school football and JCC basketball with, with the A-Train. Oh my gosh, we knew Matt. We, we intersected with Matt a few times, yeah. Yeah, he's a he's a terrific guy, a really nice guy, and 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 very talented. I mean, he he really had so many great martial arts moves, and and was very athletic. And but they changed his name two or three times, and the audience was hip to it. And they would sometimes yeah. chant when he was Pensai, they would chant A Train. It was just <laughs> right. It, it was really frustrating. How does the that one, make you the feel one thing they couldn't change about they they could not change about Matt Bloom was his thick Massachusetts accent. There's right. no way they could never legislate that out. Yeah, I'm wick. I'm wicked Japanese guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm from the land of the, the wicked dude. The sun it's rising over here. Undertaker. Um, how did it make you feel as a friend though? When you see, cause like, cause you're, cause, cause there's a comedian, we see Gary Gullman and it's, you know, it's like a normal human evolution where we see like, Oh, cool, Gary. And he's like, you know, we see more of him, but it's like, it's still Gary. How does it make you feel when you see your friend that you grew up with repackaged and come back as different character? Like, do you, do you ever text him and say, Matt, please, just as a, as a viewer, this, what are you, what's going on here? Like, oh no, I would, I would never do that in the same way that you would never say, Hey, that joke is, 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 is not that strong. I don't, I don't know yeah. what, what's going on in the world of pro wrestling. And I, and I'll tell you what, in the same way, it's, it's, honestly extraordinary that any of us do it still after all these years yes. wrestling is even is even more competitive even more cutthroat even even less support in in terms of the the management union type of thing so so we don't have a union but we also don't fall from from great heights uh, on a on a weekly basis, and so for him to still be involved in this business, it's it's nearly miraculous. And I think you bring up a great point too, because you know so many people see a, a wrestler or superstar WWE do something, and all the fans say, "Oh, why are they doing this?" And it's like 
you know, well, are they doing it well? And also yeah. their job and it's entertaining. So I think it's interesting yeah. that like you knew the person individually and yeah. you just trust them. You said, man, I'll figure this out. And then yeah. uh, went on to have a great role running NXT. So it's interesting. So just for people online, the, the internet wrestling community, as it were, that always says, what are they doing with so-and-so? Well, maybe you don't, you don't know everything that's going on back yeah. and you don't know how it's going to end. Yeah, but yeah, and they they take chances and they and they have ideas and sometimes they work, sometimes they they don't work. Who would have ever thought that Sokka would would be <laughs> an, an icon in his in his own right? I mean, we the thing is is that our excitement levels were the bar was so low back then. I remember when when Ivan Putsky at the end of a match that he won would scream Polish power into the, into the <laughs> microphone. That was, Oh my gosh, has he gone off script? Is he, is he doing something that wasn't a, approved? And, and the, the great thing about when you come to wrestling is when you first see the, the, either the heel face turn or the face heel turn, and you haven't seen it dozens of times. So when, when Jimmy Superfly Snuka became a, a good guy, oh my word, I, I was just, I was blown away. I will never forget what, what happened that, that, that were there day. Any heel turns? Were there any heel turns where someone turned heel and you said, how dare you, where you just felt so betrayed? I, I mean, I always felt bad that, or, or I had regrets that I hadn't watched it earlier because I didn't see to, which, what to me must have been the greatest uh, heel turn, which was Larry Zbysko turning on Bruno Sammartino. It, it, it's silly for me to think this now, after all we know, but at the time it had this Satan versus versus God thing in my head. Now I realize, yeah, exactly. They're doing Satan versus God mm. every, every six weeks to keep people, to keep people watching. But I remember thinking, how dare you turn on Bruno San Martino? He was your mentor. You were his favorite angel, just like, just like Satan. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's Shakespearean. It's, it's biblical, but it was done in, in such such high school musical soap opera terms back then. Now it's it's I mean it's silly in it in its own right, and they they play on it and they and they do things that are meta. But at at the time it was so basic and and so simple. And what what I what I really loved about about uh, world world class championship wrestling was that everything was sped up and that there were there was more sort of ambiguous characters that is he a good guy is he a bad guy is he is he is he going to turn who is he going to side with it was just and also you got to see actually competitive matches where where 90 percent of the matches unless sd jones was was involved was was a squash match and it was it was really it was really frustrating and also i just wanted to shake sd special delivery jones and say listen He's going to be stuck in the corner. Do not run in after him. You've you've lost this way too many times. And he just, it, was, it was just Lucy with the football was SD Jones with the with the guy in the in the in the corner against the turnbuckles. My my uh my my thing to go back to the heel turn thing. Jake Roberts turned heel in 1991. He was supposed to be helping the Ultimate Warrior, mm. and uh, he was not. He was helping the Undertaker and. <laughs> I was hot. I was, I was mad. Like, I mean, I was, I was eight. So, okay. 
but still, Perfect. man, like that dominated. Like I was like, how dare you? Like I just gotten his yeah. action figure. And I was like, this man, you took him to a cemetery. You made him get in the cemetery and yell, yell at the sky that I'm, I'm not afraid of darkness and all this other <laughs> stuff. And when did you have the time to go out and get all these snakes and coordinate it with the undertaker and Paul bear? Like just, it was like, this was a mean prank. Like I just, Tom, was there a heel turn that killed you at all? That was just so heartbreaking or. No, it was a baby face turn. Really? My least favorite turn of all time was Macho Man Randy Savage joining forces with Hulk Hogan. I was <laughs> so angry because I despised Hogan. And I love Randy Savage. I mean, I can remember I, I actually I sent John the video of his first match in WWE. And yeah. it was he was just, when he showed up, he was the first wrestler that I because I'd, I'd already watched wrestling for a few years. I used to watch it with my grandfather because it was what my grandfather watched. And then the rock and wrestling era that was when I watched it because I wanted to watch it. And I would watch it with my grandfather because it was a bonding thing, too. But when Savage showed up, that was the first guy that I saw and was like, oh, that's something new. That's something different. That is nothing like anything I've seen before. Because even Hogan, Hogan was a huge star, but he was really the past. He was a celebration of the pa wrestling's past. But Savage was the future. And when Savage, and he was just a perfect heel, he was a good baby face. But when he joined forces with Hogan, that murdered me. Uh, but uh, I wanted to touch on something, Gary. Earlier, you, you had that laundry list of wrestlers that you mentioned from the era, from, uh, from late 70s, early 80s. And so back then, there were so many different marginalized communities and immigrant communities that didn't have a whole lot of representation on TV. And WWF slash WWE really gets kind of hit hard with some insensitivity over the years. But in that era, where else were we going to see an Italian strongman or Polish power or, you know, African-American tag team that wins the championship? I mean, there were a whole group of communities that had nobody but wrestling to look to. And it was interesting to see it back in the day because, I mean, my, my grandfather spoke Spanish, only spoke Spanish. He came from Cuba. But he loved wrestling, and he could identify with it when he came to the States, even though there wasn't a Cuban wrestler because, oh, well, there's Pedro Morales. Uh, Pedro there's the Morales. Guerreros. Yes, yeah. yes. And I, I think even at 9 or 10 years old, I understood what, what Pedro Morales meant to a, a community that, that loved professional wrestling and what, what Tony Atlas and Rocky Johnson meant, meant to, the, to that group of people who loved professional wrestling. I mean, that was a really cool thing about the Boston Garden which for Celtics games, which were unaffordable and and really hard to get tickets, even if you could afford them, it was a white audience for a team that was half white. But you would go to the Boston Garden for for wrestling, and it, it was such a it was such a, a a diverse audience, and there were there were young people and older people and black and white and Hispanic and Italian and Polish. And it was it was really interesting. And I never felt unsafe there the way I was told to feel at the Boston Garden, that it wasn't it wasn't safe. I mean, I guess it was the, the timing of when I went. But I, I think so many things were were overblown in in terms of what kids were were understanding of that if that if there was a stabbing ever, then you were going to be stabbed as soon as you walked in. <laughs> well, wrestling, I think, similarly to like the horror movie community, I think their wrestling fans are unfairly maligned 
Yeah. Because we're just all sensitive nerds. We really yeah. are. And then, and you get us in a group and we're no different. Yeah. And, and I, I also, I, I guess I wouldn't have noticed because I didn't really under understand the, the concept really, but, but a lot of, um, a lot of gay men and women loved wrestling when I was, when I was growing up and, and I would talk to them later and they would, they would say they loved it when they were kids. So it's, it's just, it was, it was a great, it was just a, a really interesting common area that a lot of different people sort of like with comic books that I could always talk to, to the, the thing you learn as you get older is that there's a version of you within every single community no matter the the color or background there is a there is a, a peruvian somewhere who has similar sensitivities and interests and insecurities and and obsessions that that we do and and i i i think professional wrestling is is a great example of that 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 it 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 drew a certain type of person from from high intellectual people loves wrestling to people who never read a book in their life love love wrestling. It's it's so interesting. Actually, off of that, Gary, I want to know, has wrestling influenced your comedy or your performance style or your storytelling ability? What influences do you think that genre has had within your comedy world? I mean, I I, I definitely think I, I've one of my influences definitely superstar Billy Graham because I, I used to do this thing and I'll bring it up every once in a while but it's an overall vibe that I I have this great hair and I, <laughs> I talk about it and it was the first the first people who weren't polite about their attractiveness in in my world were professional wrestlers Jesse the body Ventura who was just really doing superstar Billy Graham or or the, the Adrian Adonis was was great at this, but I mean the whole thing is it all goes back to Gorgeous George, right? So we're we're all standing on Gorgeous George's shoulders, and I, I just uh, Muhammad Ali talks about a, a Gorgeous George influence, and it's just a, a lot of us, especially in New England, were were taught to grow up humble and self-deprecating, and then you would see these people tooting their own horn, and it was it was intoxicating. And while while I say I, I I rooted for the for the good guys to win, I also laughed so hard at the 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 Grand Wizard manager and and Captain Lou Albano and Freddie Blassie. I mean, they were so obnoxious. I I mean the 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 wrestling comedy connection is is most apparent in in Andy Kaufman and and his relationship with professional wrestling and that that incredible breakfast with Blassie. Yes. And and I I just there there there's so many commonalities in the lifestyle of the professional wrestler with the road and the and the indignities but Absolutely. also also how much pro wrestlers love wrestling and how much comedians for the most part love comedy and stand up and and comedians. So who so you talked about superstar Billy Graham and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but so you know, if you were to go through the era you watch, or even now, or even just you know, during the 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 attitude era of the 90s, was there anyone that jumped out at you you're like, my goodness, like just like this person's just great, just a, just a great order. Like, forget what they're doing in res this person talks or anyone that jumps out. Well, I I I think Mick Foley is such a great 
actor. So I think I think I would put him as the greatest of all time in terms of of the microphone work. But when I was when I was watching Jesse the Body Ventura and and before that superstar Billy Graham, their their work on the on the mic is it called stick work or whatever? But but and also that the managers were incredible. Captain Lou Albano and I I will say this and he became a cartoon after a while, but. Vince was such a great straight man to those to those characters that he was he was really perfect. He was and uh, Slaughter was great on the mic and and in his own way, George the Animal Steel was was terrific on on the mic. It was really really interesting to to behold the, and the the just the the. They were like comedy teams. The manager with the with the wrestler was like a great Abbott and Costello type of thing, but a but a different twist on that in which they weren't they weren't the butt of the joke. They were they were building themselves up, and 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 they, there was a roast component to it where they, they were roasting their opponent. And it's just it as much as I rooted for Backlund to win out of just he was all shucks. I, I loved hearing what what his opponents had to say to to degrade him and minimize him and and un, unfortunately a lot of the stuff with with Morocco Don Morocco was as good as it got a lot of the stuff with his and Valentine's work against Pedro Morales it's you can't watch it now it's 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 really offensive but at the at the time they they were they were really entertaining. So yeah. interesting, quick story, just like uh, about since you mentioned George Steele. So allegedly, as the story goes, then you mentioned Vince too. Um, George Steele was a very uh, prof- like profound book. Do you know this story? So I, he, I haven't heard this story, but it makes perfect sense. So he was, and Vince wanted him to be the animal, and he was like, "You're gonna, you're never give you a green tongue," and like all this stuff supposedly. And so uh, I've read it somewhere. And then there's one person in the office who said, yeah, that sounds about right. So about as close as you'll get to confirmation. But um, (laughs) uh, but apparently he went to Vince and said, these promos are making me sound crazy. And Vince was like, yeah, that's what we're going for. So then George Steele, just to mock Vince, said, what do you want me to sound like? And like make it all the funny noises. And then Vince said, that's perfect. And that's how he got the character. <laughs> so I guess if you go look at some of his older works, like, oh man, that guy can talk. And then it was like, what made him all the money was he just as a, like as a rib, as a prank was like, it's almost like in stand up if you do a tag, it's like it's crowd work. And then the booker from the show that you're about to do the five minutes goes, oh, I, that's your second joke. I'm like, no, that was just a thing. Nope, it's in, you gotta do it second. Next time it's like, ugh. So it's like, but it made him money. Like he became George yeah. the Animal yeah. still, you know? It's a it's a bummer because at least with comedy in the 80s, you needed a hook. Yeah. And up through the 90s, they wanted you to still have that hook, but but thank God the alternative comedy scene came around and said, no, the hook is fucking um uh phony and exactly against what we want, and it's tired, and and yet. And yet there are still comedians with hooks and they make millions of dollars and and wrestling has not had an alternative wrestling thing. I mean, here and there, there are some some authenticity pokes its head through, but the hooks still work. And, it, and it's and and who can you blame? But the audiences. Yeah, well, I'm going <laughs> to invoke uh, one name, I think, that is like the nexus 
of where stand up and wrestling meet. Uh, and that is Bobby the Brain Heenan. Because mm. for me, he oh, was always yeah. the guy that I, he was funny. He could, no one could draw heat like him. But one of my favorite quotes is uh, Paul Heyman, who's the name I wanted to invoke for this next segment. Uh, Paul Heyman called Bobby Heenan the Johnny Carson of uh, sports entertainment. And I think that's a perfect, perfect comparison. Uh, Let's, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on, because we were talking about mic work. Except that Carson was a fucking phony and Bobby (laughs) would at least acknowledge that he was full of shit and be a a coward. Johnny was, I, ugh. Yeah, okay. On to Paul Heyman, on to Paul Heyman. Yes. That's where I was Johnny Carson on a pedestal and, and worship him. But I think Heenan and Letterman are more. Yes. Are, are, are more. Heenan uh, was for sure more pure. Yes. Yeah. Because there, there was there was no airs about Bobby Heenan. He 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 told you exactly who he was, even when he was mm-hmm. lying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just all the way when he to his last appearance, when Gorilla came down and fired him and he had all the. And his suitcase is full of all the hotel supplies. If anyone hasn't seen this, go on YouTube and look up Bobby Heenan gets fired. And it's when he was leaving on good terms from WWE. And then he and Gorilla Monsoon worked out. How do you want to do this? So he fired Gorilla comes down and fires Bobby Heenan. And then as he's leaving, his suitcase opens up and it's all these rolls of toilet paper and shampoo. And it's just towel everything he's stolen from hotels. Or it's like as a kid, oh I, was, my God, I didn't know great. how to feel because I was like, is you know, I didn't I wasn't smart. So I was like, brain gone. But holy fuck, that's funny. Like, I was just like, Larry, that's the funniest thing. Yeah. Like, who could do that on your last like appearance and be the funniest on your way out? Like, that's Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Muppets level humor that it can get the, the adults to say that's hilarious and then kids to feel something. So Tom brought up another name and uh, the great Paul Heyman. And I've seen uh, Gary the, uh, on Twitter. I've seen you, you follow Mr. Heyman. Um, a fan? How do you see Mr. Heyman? Was he the ECW guy? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what. ECW, I guess, uh, now, now that I think about it, was sort of the alt comedy scene of of wrestling. So it, yeah. it, it it actually did make wrestling more authentic. And and I I think we owe we owe Heyman. The only the only thing is, I remember him being an, another kind of an ambiguous motives and 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 ethos and and ethical moral standards right i think you've described the way almost everybody that worked for him felt yeah (laughs) well yeah i've I've not said that i've said nice things about he's not disagreeing per se with some of what you're saying nor you didn't write for ecw so uh (laughs) no paul's paul hammond's paul hammond but the interesting thing was that like gary it's like julie can back this up is that we each wrote for paul at one point or another and that's him. Like Paul does not break. Like it's like he's constantly. If it's where we're going to order dinner from or whatever, he will cut a promo on why you should go to one place instead of the other. Oh, it's beautiful though. Yep. His ability to succinctly tell a story. Oh my god, makes you feel so fired up about anything. Yeah, well, yeah. and that's why in 2022 he's still the best promo on the roster. Oh, it's god, incredible. It's so good. A couple weeks ago. He was cutting a promo and he had, so he's the manager of the champion on SmackDown. He's Roman Reigns' manager. And he has, so Roman Reigns is now the unified champion. He has both world champion titles. And Paul is. How many people have been a unified champion? That's rare, right? Years ago, Brock Lesnar, I think, unified the championships. And then now against Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns has. But 
So Paul is the keeper of said championship belts and was cutting a promo and shifted one belt to the other side and smacked himself in the face with the belt while cutting the promo, didn't stutter, didn't stop, didn't flinch, and continued to nail the promo. Unbelievable. You just think of all all doing stand-up, like how you're so nervous about grabbing the microphone. Paul Hyman got hit in the face with a with a with a heavy leather belt. Title, title. We should title? say. We got, Sorry, we got hit in the face. That's where the pants, guys. Come on. And so, like, strap. Yeah. But is that good, is that good acting or bad acting? Uh, uh, I don't. Know. I think it made him look stronger because I think people yeah. were like, "Wow, Paul just took a he just took a title title bump. He took a belt bump yeah. there, and he wow. uh, he kept on going. <laughs> he kept on going. And he did this other great thing we talked about too, or like a month or two ago. He went, uh, and I'm going to find out." right after the break and he would like mimic a remote control and then the show cut to commercial wow so it was like the only paul could go into the truck and be like i have a proposition for you on how we could go to segment 12 or whatever it would be and then like they were just like sure and he pulled it off but uh Man. yeah i thought it was so cool i mean the um, crowd the crowd chants with him announcing his own name every night that's over and on a level that's attitude era at at best yeah yeah and, and that's like and it's just when you think about that you, you know you, you read the stories about steve martin and people like that in stand-up it's like so many people get annoyed by that but paul embraces it which i think is yeah. okay i have to ask you gary so i mean gary for for just the pure wrestling fans joining us probably the most viral late night stand-up bit of our time uh state abbreviations if you go look up gary gullman conan state abbreviations it's got like a zillion views. I'm not exaggerating. It's the funniest bit. I was, I was lucky enough to know you and see you do it at Comedy Cellar in New York before it was on television. And do you still, you still come out and do that in the encore sometimes, right? Have you, or did you, is it done? Is it gone? No, I, I, I mean, I don't do an encore because I find a comedian who does an encore, it's, it's uh, for my level, it's a little bit pretentious, I think, because also it's not like a band where, Oh, they didn't sing "Sweet Emotion." Yes, and coming back. So you don't know what my wait. What Gary my didn't, set list is. He didn't talk about his marriage at all. Oh, he's going to come back and do that in the in the last. Uh, oh, here we go. I knew it. We're going to sing along. But by the yeah. but like people love that bit so much that like did it get to a point where because like Dottie from State Abbreviations is a person now in in culture. Like people want to meet Dottie, and did like. Did it get that point where you, did you ever have that feeling on stage when you go into that bit and and which is just brilliant? It must it, you must kind of feel like a like a like a babyface wrestler, right? Where people are like, ah, here we go. Or is it kind of like, all right, it's time to turn the page, time to like, how do you feel when that happens? I mean, it's it's interesting because I never I never really saw it as as it, it was interesting because I was playing a certain size place, a couple of hundred seats, and then there were 100 to 200 people more because of that, that Conan thing, mostly because Patton Oswalt far after it aired, shared it with a lot of people and, and said it was, it was great. So I, I got more fans, but then I got really sick. And when I came back, I had to talk about the depression. So occasionally I would, I never understood or recognize that a lot of people were there just because of the, the, the state abbreviations and they probably wanted to see it. And out of pride and probably foolishness, I didn't do it because I thought they were 
they were like me. They wanted to see all the new stuff. Right. But I should have, I should have done it. I would only do it occasionally at the end. Yeah. Um, as kind of a reward for sitting through the, the great depression. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't thought about it until just now. I probably could have, could have thrown them a bone, but there's this, there's this fear in me and a lot of comedians that if they see something they've seen before, they're not going to come see you again. Yes. And I think that that's, so I think that that's a good point too. Probably you could equate that to wrestling, right? Where when we say, why don't they go back to doing this such a thing? It's like, because it's not 20 years. Like I'm different. Yeah. I've done different things. And so yeah. um, I think that that's like, it's just, it's thank you for that. And thank you for that perspective. And so a couple of things, we're going to a comedy show. Uh, man, it's going to be new and you're going to have fun and you're going to see stuff you haven't seen. And also like for everyone's online, just like, you know, uh, why can't Mayor Glenn Jacobs go back to being Kane? Well, probably because he's the mayor of a town <laughs> like <laughs> he's he's moved on, man. Like we can't all go back. But uh, speaking of that, uh, so of course, uh, the Great Depression uh, still available, right? On, yeah, HBO? It's on HBO Max now. Yeah. And uh, the tour is born on third base. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in this tour or just come and see it and have fun? Uh, I mean, I can tell you what I'm what I'm doing, but it's it doesn't sound as funny. But what I'm doing is is kind of it's a play on the idea that that there are people who we know who have had everything given to them because they grew up very well off. And yet they'll tell you how hard they worked and nobody ever helped them. And the expression, and it's been attributed to a number of people, but the expression is, is he was born on third base. He thinks he hit a triple. And, and I, I just love that imagery. Cause I, I, I like, I realized recently that I don't like baseball. I like documentaries and books about baseball. Same here. <laughs> same here. No dude. Same here. I'll watch I'll watch a league of their own for 24 straight hours and I'll love every yeah. second. But if you say watch a live baseball game, nope. Yeah. Nope. Definitely not. I was at a 19 minute game once like seven years ago and I was at ruined baseball for me. When I realized <laughs> when I realized it couldn't end. When I realized I was like, theoretically, there's no law that ends this game. I could be living here now. And nobody ever again. Nobody ever acknowledges this about an extra inning game. And, and I'm going to acknowledge it right now. We could die here. <laughs> yeah. We could, especially yeah. now. Like, you don't know who you're sitting next to. Yeah. I mean, my, I, my idea, I have a sudden death uh, derby. When you bring out a pitching machine, you play one extra inning. And if nobody scores, you bring out a pitching machine. You set it up. You have one catcher that's neutral. They're neutral. <laughs> like they're the fifth umpire. And they crouch down, they say, gentlemen, and then each nine guys come up for each team and each get two swings. And it's like a hockey shootout. And then the game's fucking over. And I guarantee you, nobody will be upset. Even the losing team will be like, praise Jesus. I get to go home and sleep and not do this awful thing I do 200 times a year. I mean, I, I, I studied, I was in the business school at, at Boston College, which is one of the great regrets of my life. But you're you're kind of taught in business that the idea that's the way it's always done here is the, is the very idea that will destroy your business, that, that mm -hmm. you, it lacks creativity and, and evolution and baseball essentially is the, that's the way it's always been done here. Sport of, yeah. of all time. And it's just, and, and I mean, we're, 
we're, we're basketball fans. Basketball has it all over, all yeah. over baseball. I'd say, I'd say wrestling does too. We're always seeing new yes. ways that wrestling is presented and that's why people keep watching. And I think that, yeah. uh, so it's GaryGullman.com. The tour is uh, born on third base. And I uh, uh, just want to say as a friend, uh, how, how happy and thrilled uh, we, we, we all are for you and how inspirational you've been, especially for the past couple of years uh, for everybody. And it was such an honor, uh, Gary, having you on here and just talking, just seeing you again. And, uh, oh, it's you know, so nice to uh, see you. And Tommy, I haven't seen you in so long. I, I really enjoyed the time we spent working together at the Comedy Connection back when it was above the food court. Yes. Is it, it's hard to imagine that the, the, the best comedy clubs in Boston were above restaurants for, for so long. The Hong Kong restaurant and the Faneuil Hall food court above there was just the best comedy going. So I, I, I miss you guys. And, and miss you too, was, man. Don't forget, real. by the way, we also shared time in the uh, bank vault at uh, yes. the Comedy Connection in Rhode Island. <laughs> yeah. As in a, well, in a bank, yeah, in a bank <laughs> vault and in, in two different comedy clubs in bank vaults. We <laughs> Just, really, I mean, it, yep. we have yeah. some of the origin stories in all of show business being Boston comedians. I will uh -oh. share two quick things with you. Um, so my wife's family uh, is from uh, Mexico on her mom's side. And about six months ago, I got shared a clip. Her, a lot of her family, they're artists and uh, there's a there's a telenovela actor in the family. And one of them sent a clip saying, I love this joke. And it was abbreviated state capitals. And it was, it was, it's so it's beautiful that that joke continues to live on in different languages. And also uh, that joke encompasses what we do on the show where we try to merge stand up comedy and uh, wrestling in that that joke when done at its best is like pro wrestling because a percentage of the audience believes that it's true. Yes. <laughs> No, I always tell people this. I've said this before that Gary uh, was so nice to me. And one night I have, I was somewhere else in town and I was texting with you and you said, I'm at the cellar. And I, and I said, Oh man, I, I wasn't past there yet. He said, no, come on in. I'll, I'll get you in. And uh, I remember he said, Hey, watch this. Uh, watch it. You're, I'm going to do, I'm gonna do the, uh, the, the college professor bit. And I was like, Oh, I know the bit. you go, but I got this other new one. I just watch it. And so wow. I watched it and I remember I did the same thing. Everyone always says to me, you believe some idiots believe, the first thing I said to you when we got out in the hallway at the cellar was, what, 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 what channel's that on? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You, you looked yeah. at me and you were so sad. It reminded me of my dad when I didn't piece together that Batman and Bruce Wayne were the same guy <laughs> when I was six. You looked at me and you were so sad because we'd known each other for 10 years. You're like, Johnny, there is no documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was it's, like, it's, and, it's, and then I just remember every manager at the, I was like another six months before I tried to get past because every manager that I had sort of made a good impression on, I could saw them go, like as soon as I, and you were just like, it's, it's just part of the joke. But it was like, Tommy said, it was the suspect. You had me pulled in where I was like, I gotta, I'm going to go fucking find this thing. And, cause it's yeah, there are countless like, people who've told me that. And, and I guess it's the, it's the specificity that I thought would throw everybody off that there's no way a documentary could have a dotty character uh, because she's so absurd. <laughs> She'd be the star. Yeah, and steal from everybody. Yeah, it's really interesting. So th that that really means a, a a lot to me that that uh, you compare it to pro wrestling. I really love that. It's well, and, royal, and thank you so much for uh, Great Depression as well. That was a gift. Uh, I've suffered from depression over the course of my lifetime, and uh -huh. that special came out at a time where I was 
what reaching what a psychologist called surge capacity, which is the point where no matter how many coping skills you've built through therapy, cognitively, it just, you're short circuit. And yeah. I didn't know what to do. And years prior, I had a doctor tell me that I wasn't a good candidate for medicine. And I just kind of wrote it off. I, I just thought that was gospel. And wow. it was during the pandemic. And I just, I needed to try something different. And a little bit of Lexapro and a lot of work. And I feel like a completely different person. And I feel like that special came out right when I needed to hear it. So thank yeah. you so much. And, and, and I couldn't be more happy because a lot of people have taken different breaks for mental health. Having you back from your break means the world to uh, comics like us. Oh, so thank you so much. That's so nice. I mean, it's also uh, talk about standing on the shoulders of giants with with gorgeous George. It's like I, I stand on on Maria, Maria Bamford and Chris Gethard and other people. So I, I they showed me that you could take a break, get better and and. And also, more importantly, to share it, to talk about it, because it's it's an elixir for for other people. But I'm so glad that you talked about the resistance to to well, just that concept of the, say it again, the surge surge capacity. So yeah, yeah I, I literally capacity. I was doing well, and then all of a sudden at the beginning of the pandemic, the show was over. Just almost overnight, yeah. I lost all my ability to cope. Yeah, and it and it's and and that's one medication and other other treatments can be so helpful because my my psychiatrist used this this great metaphor analogy he said he said you don't want to re rewire your house while it's on fire <laughs> so therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and and these other treatments and exercise are are, are not going to be you should do them but they're not going to be as helpful while the house is on fire and that's that's when it was helpful for me to to actually go into the into the hospital and and I I put it off because I was afraid because of the the portrayals in television and film but it was it was very ordinary garygolman.com born on third base gary we're so happy to have you and thank you for everything you've done and it was thank great you. talking with you julie honey it was very nice to meet you it was wonderful and, to meet you too I will, I will uh i will see you guys another time we'll do this we'll do this again someday yes yeah, that'd be great. So. we'd love it all right all right thanks go appreciate it thank Bye -bye. you gary thank you for listening to turnbuckle subscribe give us five stars maybe leave a nice review we really like compliments it boosts our self-esteem See ya, buckleheads. Let the writers dress like writers, Vince. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.